Hello, and welcome to the CampWire podcast. My name is Lauren McMillan. I'm the Public Relations and Communications Manager here at ACA. And today I am so excited to bring you this conversation with Stacey Morgan. She is the wife of Drew Morgan, who is a NASA astronaut. And she recently released a book called The Astronaut's Wife, How Launching My Husband into Outer Space Changed the Way I Live on Earth. A little more background on Stacy. She is always ready with a crazy story from her own life, whether it be military deployments, carpooling, working for the Smithsonian, skydiving, teaching her teens to drive, taking roller skating lessons, or blasting her husband into outer space. Stacy currently works for Mops International as an executive leadership coach. She and her husband have four children and currently reside in Friendswood, Texas. When she's not speaking at women's events or scribbling down ideas for her next book, she's watching historical dramas on PBS, reading a good mystery novel, laughing at internet memes, or planning her next exciting adventure. Stacy, welcome to the Camp Wire podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, absolutely. So you have a fascinating story and your family, I, I feel like you're obviously just the coolest family out there based on your background. So, but if people aren't familiar with you all, let's hear the story. Tell us all about it. Tell us how, how your family got involved with, oh, I don't know, going to outer space. <laughs> sure. Well, we are at our heart, we are an actor duty military family. My husband is an army officer. We met when we were both cadets at West Point. So that's like kind of where our relationship started and it never left that world. And um, we have been in the army community for our entire adult lives. And we were deep in the special operations community when in 2012, my husband came home one day with kind of a an uncharacteristically good giddy mood and told me that he had a crazy idea and wanted to apply uh, for the space program. And I thought he was crazy <laughs> because we had a crazy life already. You know, we have four kids and um, the military life is certainly one of um, challenges, but also, you know, incredible opportunities. And you really need to be all in in order to kind of, you know, not just survive, but thrive. And we were all in. And he said, look, I just want to try. And the joke for a long time was, uh, you know, no matter what, you'll always be a NASA applicant. And because uh, it's really, you know, it is a very hard to be selected and a lot of amazing people who apply. And uh, we were actually supposed to be moving to Germany and we were really excited about that. So uh, it took about a year, but he just kept making it through every gate. And so in 2013, uh, we got the phone call that really changed our trajectory for our whole family, really. So um, we moved from the military community we were living in in Virginia at the time down to Texas near Johnson Space Center. My husband began his astronaut training. And then in 2019, so six years later, it was his turn to launch to the International Space Station. And at the time, the only way to get to and from the International Space Station was to hitch a ride on a Russian rocket. So that's what we that's what he did. And so uh, he had to do a lot of training overseas and then the launch the kids and I, along with kind of a handful of family friends, traveled all the way to Kazakhstan, which before then I really couldn't even spell, let alone break <laughs> <Right>. out <laughs> on the map. But that's where the Russians launched their rockets. And we watched him blast into outer space. And uh, then he lived and worked on the space station for nine months. And so meanwhile, the kids and I were back here on Earth and trying to figure out what is it like to, to live a life where um, the parent and spouse is is orbiting you above the earth, you know, at about 250 miles around. And um, while well, we're kind of life is going on down here, but it was a really unique season. And 
it's just been kind of a crazy ride, but so awesome to get to talk to people about it because there's so many ties um, from that time, the things I learned that really just resonate with, with everybody, certainly in this weird kind of post-pandemic world that we find ourselves in, but really kind of in any season of your life. Right. Absolutely. And how long has it been since he returned to earth? So he landed in April of 2020. So right oh. as the pandemic <laughs> was starting to ramp up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time we thought we didn't know where we were in the kind of the arc of this pandemic craziness, but really at that time, everybody, we, nobody knew anything. We didn't know what was going on. So everybody was doing all the crazy things, you know, the washing of the groceries and the wrapping yourselves mm-hmm. in trash bags. Yes. So um, yeah, he came back to a really different planet than the one he had left nine wow. months ago. I know it's almost like, well, maybe we should just like stay in space a little longer. (laughs) Yeah. I think they probably would have not minded doing that because it certainly made things complicated. I mean, he came home and all the things that would normally um, have happened to kind of help them reintegrate back with the world (laughs) when they come home were canceled or postponed. So we pretty much came home, uh, came in, you know, walked in the front door a few days later and then never left because everything was locked down. So uh, it was definitely kind of an unusual reintegration process. Yes. And so it sounds like y'all truly went from living about as far apart as you can for, for nine or 10 months to living about as closely as you can for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't recommend it for everyone because we <laughs> really we had been living pretty much you know connected but fully independent lives for close to 10 months and then uh he came back and it wasn't just me at home with him it was me and our four kids with school being virtual and of course you couldn't just you know go somewhere cuz every place was closed. So it was truly all of us stuck together in our house. Uh, a lot of close quarters, mm-hmm. a lot of um, kind of relatable ties to his time in space where you're also stuck. Oh, in yeah. Small space. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so kind of isolation in one place to isolation in another. Wow. Unfortunately, uh, at home are his crewmates not nearly as professional or considerate as the <laughs> ones that he had in space. Oh, wow. So had he prior to going into space mentioned in your bio active military deployments? Had he been deployed overseas into different locations before? And if so, was this, was going to space the longest stretch of time that he was away from you and the kids? So yes and yes. So he had had multiple, you know, combat deployments, Afghanistan, Iraq, like like most active duty people have in the last decade or so. Um, but this was our longest in full time away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, but there are a lot of, you know, kind of comparisons between deployments, like military deployments, and I guess you could call it a space deployment. Right. Uh, but this time it was our longest and our kids were the obviously older. And so in the past, when he had gone, the kids were younger. That has different sets of challenges. Uh, I think I would take the uh, younger kid challenges over the teenage hormone oh, yeah. <laughs> and puberty relationship challenges. Um, but yeah, two teens and two tweens while he was um, on station. And so it was tough. It was, um, it was a, that season of parenting is tough at any time for anybody, but a little more challenging when um, your dad is not on this planet. Oh, I'm sure. I know. Like, not just like literally. (laughs) Wow. So I have to ask some of our ACA accredited camps are space camps and adventure camps. 
Did your husband at any point when he was growing up, did he go to space camp? I, I just, I have to ask. That's a, that's a good question. There are a handful of active astronauts who have been to space, like the official space camp. Yes. And I'm sure there are more that have been to unofficial space camps. Right. I don't think he ever went to a space camp per se, but we were both growing up uh, big, you know, campers, um, kind of for both of us. I, he moved around a lot as a kid. I did not. And so we had different kind of reasons for going to camp. I think summers were an important kind of just a, a way to kind of get out of the routine of moving different places. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a way to just experience different things as somebody who was living in one place and right. not experiencing, you know, different cultures and like, like he was. So, um, I think it's funny. It'd be interesting to know, like, would, does he think he would have benefited from going to space camp now, now, that, he, <laughs> now that he has actually done the real thing? I don't know. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And tell me a bit more about your summer camp experience. Sure. Um, I certainly had friends who, you know, did the kind of classic, like go to the same camp every summer and uh, collect the badges and all that kind of stuff. And that was, I, I did do that uh, one or two summers with friends who invited me, but my summer camps really were really varied. I mean, there were summer camps that I were, I went to art camps, I went to sport camps, I went to church camps, uh, as well as kind of the, you know, like not Girl Scouts, but something like that mm -hmm. kind of camp, like, a, like an adventure camp, sleepaway camp. So I really had uh, a full different array of camps over the years. And I think yeah. they were all great for whatever season I was in at that mm -hmm. time and, and kind of what I needed. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I had a similar experience growing up trying like so many different day camps and then overnight camps. And there was one camp that I ended up sticking with until I was too old to go to camp, which is very sad, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's wonderful to get all those different experiences and to see the different ways that, that camp experiences, again, whether they're specialty camps or traditional overnight camps, there's so many benefits and, and gifts that, that we absorb as campers. And one of those in particular is the benefit of learning how to take risks and to develop that confidence and that courage and to, um, yeah, to try new things. And I think so many kids and campers um, every summer have the opportunity to do that. Now, your family and your husband in particular really, really took a step. Yeah, really dove into the whole idea of stepping out of your comfort zone, maybe stepping out of your atmosphere, literally. But I want to hear <laughs> from your perspective, what lessons did you learn about taking risks and about stepping out of your comfort zone? And maybe that happened before the space mission, but maybe, but maybe there was more that you learned during and after. So let's hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. I love talking about risk because I think in our current culture, this uh, risk is something that people assume they should be avoiding. And that mm -hmm. as you get older, especially, um, you know, kind of the goal in life is to reduce that element of risk until you have more comfort and more stability and, you know, more predictability in everything in your life. And, and there's something to be said for, for those things in seasons, but I think we lose something. Thing when we become afraid of risk. Mm -hmm. And I think as a military family, we've always understood that there is risk in the world, whether you embrace it or not. And I think for us, you know, we, we were already in the military when 9-11 happened and that changed wow. completely changed the trajectory of what our family's life was going to be like. And I think taught a lot of people that 
you know, whatever plans you're trying to make in life, there is risk inherent in just waking up every morning and going to work. And so like, let's make the most of every day because you don't know what's going to happen that day. So um, our family has always kind of seen risk, uh, I think, for what it is, which is something to be, um, you know, aware of and, and embrace, not to mean like reckless, Right. But that there are a lot of things worth risking for that a life without risk is kind of dull and just kind of colorless. And whether that's and it doesn't mean physical risk. I think a lot of people also think like, oh, well, I don't want to break a bone or like right. die or something, you know, and it's like, well, yes, I do think there are a lot of benefits to putting yourself in um, situations that are a little scary because of the physical risk. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other ways that you can risk in life and whether that's meeting new people or being willing to change jobs or, or go somewhere, you know, as a kid, like without your parents, like going to sleepaway camp or, or, you know, meeting, making new friends. I mean, um, there are so many ways that we, you know, can avoid risk, but we really shouldn't because it, it teaches us a lot about ourselves. You can't grow as a person or kind of experience new things without risking something. And I, I think as parents, we should be looking for ways to bring risk into our kids' lives, like you said, in a safe way, but also in a way that scares them a little bit because it's, it, and maybe it even scares us to send our kids right. you know, out into a kind of a risky world. But that's the reality. Like we want them to have these experiences as kids because the world is risky again, whether we like it or not. And so let's prepare our kids to face the world as it is, which is, it is risky, but it's full of adventure and fun and excitement, but we've got to be brave and we've got to be willing to try new things. And that only comes with risk. Yes. Oh, 100%. And I think about my own camp experience. This is something that maybe a lot of people didn't deal with, but I also know a lot of people did. And a lot of campers deal with homesickness. I yes. love going to camp, but that first, I went to a month long camp, the one that I stuck with um, for the duration of my, my camping years. And that first weekend, that first few days when there's like not much going on every year without fail, I would be so homesick. But then at the end of the camp, I mean, it faded. And after camp, like I didn't want to go home, but I also think about how that helped me grow and how much that strengthened me, not only to return to camp and to persevere and to see it all through, but I'm thinking beyond like when I went off to college or things like that, how more prepared I was just because I had kind of strengthened that muscle of of trusting the process and seeing it through and persevering. I did want to ask you, did, did Drew, and this might be a question we need to ask him, did he experience any kind of homesickness on the, on the space station? <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. I, he absolutely did. I mean, wow. he used to say, so about once a week, we would have about an hour video chat and he would tell us that the, after our chat was probably the worst uh, hour of the, oh. of the entire week, because you just, you know, you, um, it's like getting a letter from home, right? Like you yeah. love reading it. And, and, and in the moment you're so happy to have it. And then afterwards, you, you know, because it tugs on your heartstrings and you think about, you know, he would obviously see on this chat, what we were doing and we'd be telling what was going on and seeing us kind of in real time you can't help but be homesick. Right. And it's right. okay. And I think that's a, an important feeling for people to understand that you can, you can be homesick and still be having a good time. You know, you can feel like these conflicting emotions are actually really not conflicting. They can, you can, it can be a great day and also have hard moments and it still be a great day. 
You know, these things can exist in the same space at the same time. And I think as parents, it's great to talk about that with our kids, because that's again, real life. Like you're going to have challenges that um, really stress you, but that doesn't mean they're not good for you, you know, and you can be lonely at, at times but it still be an awesome experience. And yeah. it's, it, you know, and you kind of want to feel all of it because, you know, if you never feel lonely or homesick, then you're never excited to go home, which you also right. want, right? And so, and, and even in that hardship of like feeling homesick, uh, there's a bonding opportunity there for others who are in the same boat. And so even though certainly Drew would feel bad uh, for that hour. It's also like, like he would go out and talk to the other crewmates. Like you learn until you feel that you don't know how to work through it. Cause you mm-hmm. can, everything you can theorize. Well, if I feel that way, I'll probably do this. I'll probably do this. Right. But when you're in it, you realize like, okay, the best thing for me when I feel homesick is to go talk to my friends mm-hmm. who are there with me. Mm-hmm. And that will help me move through it faster. And that, you know, I think that's a skill he learned on deployments. He, I know that's a lesson he taught our son when he went to camp that there are going to be times, like I remember he wrote him this note and sent it to him at camp that said, there are going to be times when you are lonely and sad. And when that happens, the best thing to do is go out and be with your friends. Do not sit in your tent or your cabin and be sad. Like you can take a minute, but then go outside and be with your friends. And that's what will move you through and the gratitude you feel to have friends and people to talk to when you feel that way is a real bonding thing. And so while our son was doing that, you know, at summer camp, Drew was literally doing the same thing in space because yes. that's a life lesson for all of us. Right. That is homesickness on a completely different level. But yeah, it's incredible that he had that foresight and to be able to think through his own experiences and lessons that have been passed on to your children. So something, this is a perfect segue into what I want to discuss next, which is about making friends and building connections. And um, I know through living or growing up around a military household, there may have been, I know you talked about not moving so much, but that Drew moved around quite a bit. And how long have you all lived in Texas? Well, it'll be about nine years now. And um, so my younger two don't remember moving very much, but my older two do. Mm-hmm. And we did move several times between kind of when we met and then before settling here. But actually next year, we're going to move again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, yeah. So, I mean, my, my oldest is moving off to college this uh, next month, actually, which is terrifying. But uh, the, the, uh, my other three kids, Andrew and I are next summer. So a year from now, we're actually going to be moving to this really tiny Island in the middle of the Pacific, which is this little tiny army base. And so uh, we're kind of making up for all those years that they didn't move and doing one giant one That's to right. the other side <laughs> of the globe. But yeah, I mean, wow. we have learned, I would say a lot of people always kind of be like, oh, I'm so sorry in the military, you have to move so much. And it is hard because every time you move, you do have to kind of, you know, find a new group of friends to plug into. And, but there's also incredible opportunity there too, uh, to kind of reinvent yourself and find new ways of doing things and kind of hit the reset button and say like, okay, you know, those things that were working for me in the past, maybe they don't work for me anymore. Maybe I want to get involved in this new activity or find a different circle of friends who have this new interest and, and I can do that in this new place. But it is, um, I think for me, I learned not as easy as I thought it would be as an adult. A lot of adults, I think, still think that making friends as an adult is the same way it is when you're a kid. 
like you can just show up somewhere and someone else will be wearing the same color shirt and you're going to become best friends forever. (laughs) But as an adult, yeah, I know. Right. Um, But I think a lot of us, especially women, I think there's really an epidemic of loneliness right now. And um, I think it's easy to look out and feel like everybody has friends except you. And it's all kind of like no vacancy signs and these little friend groups, but One thing I've learned is that people are really good at looking like they have friends, but they really don't. And um, getting out and tied and kind of jumping into community is the only way to really make friends uh, that are really friends and not just kind of acquaintances, like Mm -hmm. the kind of friends that we long for, that friend you can call when you're in a crisis, when something bad and maybe embarrassing has happened and not like ha ha embarrassing, but like where you are dealing with something hard in your life yeah. and you need to talk to someone about it. And, you know, studies show that like 70 to 80% of people say they do not have a person that they could call in time of crisis. And that, that makes me so sad because crisis is part of life for all of us. And, you know, we are designed to live in community. And um, I really think that that is a huge, a huge issue. So I've learned the fastest way to get, you know, kind of plugged in and not isolated anymore is you have to go first. And whether you're a kid or you're an adult, you've got to make the first move. And I feel like everybody is waiting for everybody else to make the first move. Right. But once you do, like, if you're the one who says, hi, good morning, (laughs) you know, I like your shirt or, Hey, um, I noticed we're in this class together or we, you know, yeah, we work together at this thing, but like, do you want to come over for coffee? Um, everybody says yes, because they, like, who doesn't want another friend and who doesn't want somebody who's interested in getting to know them more. And, um, so that's what I've had to do in every new place in a year. I'm going to need to take my own advice to heart and create a whole new, uh, circle of, and it's going to be work and it's going to take time and sacrifice and a lot of intentionality, but the alternative is no fun. Right. <laughs> I think right. we're not even going to think about like, the alternative. You can, you, yeah, that's right. I mean, we all know, I think the last couple of years, we all know how painful isolation is mm-hmm. and whether that's isolation because you are literally not allowed to leave your house or um, because everybody's masked up or just at the schools are closed or whatever that isn't like we, people were going crazy because that's just not good for our mental health. And, um, even for some people, their physical health. And so when you consider like, that's the alternative, right? If we don't go first, get out, get plugged in, just jump in and volunteer with that group or go to that event or invite that person over for a coffee, like just do it, even though it feels weird and it's, you know, and it's like awkward, just do it because the alternative, like just take a minute to remember how sad the alternative was. Nobody wants to go back to that. Right. And it's also like, what's the worst that could happen if you reach out and say hi to somebody? Yeah. And I, you know, I think the first couple of times when I invited people over for coffee, you know, you worry that you're going to get rejected. You uh-huh. know, it's funny. It's like all of a sudden you're like your worst junior high self, right? You're like, oh my <laughs> right. gosh, like, are they going to like me? You know, <laughs> will you be my friend? Yes, no. And it's like, actually the reality is everybody says yes. Mm. Everybody says yes. And, um, and if they, if you find that one weirdo who says no, like whatever, (laughs) move on. Right. There are hundreds of other people that you can ask and, and just do it. Just say, yes, not everybody's going to become your best friend, but you know, you meet a handful of people and they introduce you to other people. It's just like these, you know, concentric circles of people that you meet. And if you keep at it, you will find yourself 
with a handful of really good friends and then an even bigger circle of, of like pretty good friends that yeah. you, you know, that you now feel connected to in community. Right. You have your support group 100%. I think this yeah. is something that adults certainly need to hear and parents may be listening to this and to camp professionals, but I think especially about our young people and what they've had to deal with over the past few years. It's hard enough being an adolescent in this world, but then I think you add yeah. COVID on top of it and just the amount of time that kids and teens spend um, staring at their phones or behind screens. And um, one of the things that we love so much about camp is how it really immerses people into community and kind of builds in that that sense of being among people and making eye contact and making real yeah. without the distraction of technology. And I think not only from a connection standpoint, but also from a mental health standpoint for our young people, why do you think it is so important for, for them to be kind of reintegrated into a world where even if it's for the summer or for a week in the summer at summer camp, why is it so important that we prioritize that and teaching them about making those in-person connections and to, to learn the benefits of, of talking to somebody face-to-face and, and getting just getting off of their phones for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's so key. I think we have to remember, for those of us who grew up as kids without phones, sometimes it's easy to forget um, right. that a lot of the skills that we, we think we just have, actually, we learned them because, you know, back when we were younger, uh, because we we had to, we didn't have uh, a smartphone or, you know, we weren't doing classes online like a lot of our kids are today, but that is a lifestyle being able to walk into a room and not know anybody, uh, but still have conversations with people, make connections, uh, make eye contact. You know, it's funny. It's these, it's these little subtle soft skills that make a huge difference in the world. And the reality is this is what makes you successful in life. And no matter what you do, whether you are, you know, I mean, literally any job of any profession, anywhere, like getting, being able to get along with others and have a good conversation, express yourself well, stand and walk and talk confidently. Like this is, this is a real life in-person skill that really need to learn and they cannot learn it if they live solely in a kind of a virtual screen environment. And so I think the summer is a great opportunity um, kind of get them out of the routine of using their phones and tablets and stuff like that. Because, you know, the re- like I've learned with four kids, I can't unplug them from their devices during the school year, because unfortunately it's part of how they do learning now. And like, as much as I would love to be like, no phones, you know, unfortunately, like, especially at the high school level, like that's part of, that is now a tool that the teachers are using to teach them. And so I can't do that. But in the summer, like I love summer camps where it's no phones. And we always tell parents, cause I also, for a while I worked on, on, on a church staff where we put on church camps and in the rules, we'd always have, you know, do not send your phone with your kid. Like if we need to get a hold of you, we have your phone on, we have to reassure, we actually found we had to reassure parents more than we needed to reassure really? the kids that it was going to be okay if their kid did not have their phone oh because they, yeah, the kid would grumble. And I think this is like a good lesson. This was a good lesson for me as a parent to realize that like, the discomfort 
that I was feeling in telling my kid, hey, there's no devices allowed at this camp or at, on this weekend or whatever it was, um, they would grumble like that discomfort would last for like can be very intense, but last for a very short time. Mm-hmm. And then they would get over it because there were so many other things to do outside or activities or with friends or whatever. It was the parental stress that was actually like the issue. And um, so like as staff, reassuring parents, we can connect with you if there's an emergency, don't worry, but you do not need to be able to text your kid what you had for breakfast. It's going to be fine, right? Um, And that's, that's like just really, really important, I think, for both the kids and parents to be like, it is okay. This is like risk management in life. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't actually make your kid any safer necessarily to have this device in their hand to be with you. And, in, and if you know what, if it does up the risk, that's okay. This is a safe place for them to be disconnected from you. And that's really important. Like it's where you're going to be bored where you're going to have to meet new people. Um, anything we can do as adults to help kids experience that younger and younger So it's not some foreign thing when they go to interview for a job when they are 18 and they don't know how to have a a meaningful conversation or talk about themselves kind of in a positive, confident way. Like we should be, we should really be trying to do whatever we can to help them in that. Yes. I mean, that's such a good reminder for adults too. I think recently I went to, to a comedy show and they had everybody, like, as soon as you walk through the door, they gave you this little bag to put your phone in and it locked and only they could unlock it. And people were like, well, why can't I have access to my phone? And I think part of it was so that nobody would be recording the comedian's act and like sharing it out into the world um, when they weren't supposed to. But at the same time, I thought it was such a good exercise for people to just like like, Hey, like take a breath, like just be here, be present. You don't need to check your phone right now. Of course, if they, if there was an emergency, they, they could run off, but at the same time, sure. just, just, and I loved, I loved that hour, hour and a half away from my phone. I was like, this is such like, Oh, it was so nice. It felt like the olden days or just a taste of it. But I think like little breaks like that, even if we're not able to, to unplug for a week yeah. at, time at camp, I mean, that's, that's so good for even just like our mental health. I mean, that's such a good, yeah, yeah absolutely. So something you touched on earlier was the importance of not only taking risks, but also finding adventure. And I would love for you to talk about how you make sure that your kids have experienced adventure throughout their childhood as they're in their, in their teen years. Why is it so important for them to have adventures? Yeah, I think, you know, adventure is important because it, uh, you know, it's kind of a capture all term, like go have an adventure. Um, and and when I think of adventure, I think of something that has an element of, of different levels of risk in it, whether that's physical risk or um, risk of just being uncomfortable or unplugged from your devices or, um, you know, risk that you may not have a good time. Like that's okay too. Um, but, and I, I like a little bit of danger. I like to introduce a little bit of unknowns into kind of how we do our family adventures, because I want to build courage in my kids. And again, not just courage, like, oh, we're going to go take that hill, like some kind of like, it's only for people who are in the military or something, but life requires a lot of courage, whether it's like, oh, I'm going to change jobs and I'm going to move across the country, or I'm going to, you know, try a new sport. And I don't know if I'm any good at it. And I might risk embarrassing myself, or I'm going to, you know, it's, we're going to like, as a family, we're going to move to another part of the country. There's going to be a transition. And I want my kids to be able to face whatever challenges come to them in life. And for our family to be able to face whatever challenges come with courage, 
And courage is not the absence of fear. It is forward, even in the face of being afraid. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't think that's, again, that's a skill that you cannot really build unless you have real world experiences in being uncomfortable, a little bit afraid, um, uh, and, and still moving forward anyway. And, you know, I think we've done a number of kind of different fun trips and, and things that have tried to push our kids out of their comfort a little bit. Um, and we always joke that like, you know, something always goes sideways in whatever, uh, you know, kind of thing you do. And we always joke, like when it, when it really starts to hit the fan, you know, my husband and I look at each other and we're like, just making memories, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, we had a trip where we, it, it was very straightforward. We're going to drive the van from this part of Texas to another part of Texas. And we're going to kind of go do this little circuit and an hour and a half. We weren't even, we were barely like out of our city and our van broke down. Like um, all of a sudden no. every dashboard light came on and um, we were barely able to like pull off the highway and pull into the car. Luckily, there was a, uh, a Honda dealership when <laughs> our van was a Honda. So we pulled in and we begged the service technician guy to look at our car and it was full of stuff. And long story short, the car was dying, like dead. Oh, and no. like, like it was not gonna be able to fix. And we literally looked like this, you know, after some discussions, we looked at each other and we were like, all right, well, we were going to, we were kind of planning to, you know, get a new van. Like we knew it was on his last legs. I guess that's happening today. And we unpacked everything from the dead van and walked to the other side of the dealership and bought a new one. Oh, right. Like, and, and, and they, we were like, listen, we're in, no, we're in a terrible negotiating position, but this is, this is where we're at. And we literally loaded our stuff into the new one and drove off the lot and continued on with our trip. And we always joke because that became, oh, that's the trip where we had to buy a whole new vehicle in order <laughs> to even just get past the first, you know, hour. And it's funny because it's like, it's, that's the kind of adventure that pushes you out of your comfort zone, even in how you buy a car. Like we joke about how if that had not happened that day, we've been putting off this, you know, right. this part because a car is a big purchase and it would have been weeks of discussion and research and this deal. And that, like all we were drawn out for forever. And instead we were like, we know we want this because it's the same one. Which which one you got? They pulled the two into the lot. Okay, which color do we like better? All right, we'll take one. Now we did have to tell our kids, this isn't normally how you make a big purchase like this. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, we were like, wow, that saved us like hundreds of hours of um, time right. because we were forced, you know, that's what adventure does. It forces your back up against the wall sometimes and makes you do life differently. And um you know, sometimes it costs you a little more money. Sometimes it uh, makes you feel very uncomfortable. It's always going to make you feel uncomfortable, but that's what grows you and, um, and makes it fun and crazy. Right. I mean, yes. we couldn't believe it. Like we're driving this brand new vehicle on a road trip. Like again, not normally, you don't normally like get your brand new car and let's go put a bunch of dirty crap in the back. And back <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, it was crazy, but it's, you know, it really is true. You can't without adventure, like you can't risk, you have to risk, you have to have a little discomfort, but that's, that's a, so like, that's what life is all about. Like what's your alternative staying home mm -hmm. and, and like kind of doing nothing. And it's really not even about money. Cause you don't want people to look, well, I don't have the funds or, you know, the time. And it's like, you know, you can find adventure at any price point.
and at any amount of time that you have in your life. It's just about saying, today we're going to do something different. We're going to do something that feels hard. You know, you could go hike that trail that you've never been on near your house and that's free. You know, you go visit that national park or if you can, you know, do that two week summer camp or um, go jump out of an airplane, right? Like whatever it is that you have the time and the uh, resources to do, but you know, you've got to seek it out. And once your kids start to realize this is like kind of a natural part of life and it's not quite so scary. The event may be scary in itself, but this idea of having adventures is not scary. Mm -hmm. It changes how they view the world and how they will view challenges in the, for the rest of their life. Right. And I've often found in my own life, and I feel like this is kind of universally true in a sense that the anticipation of the thing is often scarier than the thing itself. Oh, absolutely. I think that's true. Like in every scary thing. (laughs) (laughs) Glad I'm not alone on that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Now I know, tell me about your family's road trips. Did y'all take an RV somewhere? Yes. So one year I like, we, my husband's been talking about wanting to take an RV trip literally for 20 years. And so we finally did it. We rented an RV. This was uh, during the pandemic and we were trying to get creative with spring break. Cause yeah. again, it was like so weird. Nobody knew what we should do about travel and hotels. And it was like, okay, well, I guess this is the year to do it. So we rented an RV and hilariously, this was like something out of a movie. The RV was not in the best condition. Oh, no. Um, every time you went over a bump, the flapper in the bathroom did a little burp and no. you got a good <laughs> whiff of the bathroom. You know, I mean, it was funny. The kids um, roll their eyes and, um, you know, they're like, oh, the RV trip. But we had a blast. And I think it's one of those trips where, yeah, as a 13 year old, she, you know, my daughter is <laughs> like, oh, that trip. But honestly, you know, when she's 20, when she's 30, when she's 40 and she's telling our kids about it, it'll be like, oh, my gosh, do you remember that trip? That was that was so I think it'll be very different in her memory. Yes. But it was great. It was a challenge. We, we didn't know anything about RVs at all. <laughs> thank goodness. Thank goodness. People who RV who do RVing are super friendly and very generous with their help and their time. And I remember we pulled into that first RV campground that first night and we are standing out there holding these tubes and these plugs and we <laughs> didn't know. Oh when, my goodness. Uh, and this very nice guy came over and said, do you need a little help? And I was like, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> and he just, you know, he stepped us through the whole thing and it was great. And, and again, it it really didn't matter that we were this beat up jalopy of an RV parked next to this like half million dollar, beautiful (laughs) tour bus looking RV. It really didn't matter. It was just kind of a fun, uh, it was an adventure in truly in all, in all stages, because there was definitely risk. We were going to break down the road. It was definitely right. a risk that somebody was going to kill somebody in this, you know, vehicle. Uh, and uh, and we didn't know what we were doing, and it was it was just fun and and kind of a definite bonding experience as a family because oh, the yeah. whole thing was just so out of our comfort zone. Honestly, yeah. Yes, it sounds like you all just like invented your own version of a family camp, which I I love. And speaking of family camps, you have to tell me about, is it cousins camp? Cousins camp. Yeah. So this is something my in-laws started. So I have, I have the oldest grandson. My oldest is their oldest grandson. And when he was little, 
uh, they came up with this idea of Cousins Camp. And so obviously it grew as the number of grandchildren grew over the years. So there are now 10 grandchildren. And we did learn that you have to put some rules on it. Otherwise it gets out of control. Um, but pretty much my in-laws were like, all right, we want to spend time with our grandkids. And um, it's different when parents are there versus not there. And so um, Cousins Camp became this kind of about week long time each summer where we all drop our kids off at my in-laws house. Sometimes depending on where we were living, sometimes that required a car ride or a plane trip, definitely some flexibility in how we do it. But as long as the rule, the rule was your kid had to be potty trained, yes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, be fully kind of able to be a little bit independent here. Um, but it was a really great experience. And something that I did not have as a kid, kind of, I have cousins, but we lived across the country. We didn't get to see each other very often. And so now my kids have a much closer relationship with their cousins than they ever would have because yeah. they, they have years of memories built up. And what I love is that uh, in the beginning, when there were fewer kids, they did more kind of out of the house activities and, and little field trips and stuff. But honestly, as the more cousins were born and rolled in and there were too many to fit in one or two vehicles anymore. Most of the camp kind of activities shifted to just being there on the, on my in-laws property. You know, they have a little bit of woods, but they have a lawn and, and they, you know, it's sidewalk chalk and it's water balloon fights and a slip and slide. And it's bed. not elaborate at all. Um, but they just spend time together and they're bored together and they <laughs> cook and they cook dinner together. They have chores. They have to like, it's, it's certain amount of structure that is not complete utter disaster chaos, but it's great. They just spend time together and they look forward to it every summer. It is a little sad now that my oldest is, you know, graduating and moving on. This will be the yeah. first cousins camp. He, he will not be at. And they're all, all the cousins, even down to his, the, the littlest one who is just like a kindergartner, they're all kind of um, sad that they're, yeah. they're losing one, you know? And so it's been really cool. I, I hope to be able to do something similar when I'm a grandparent, because that's just yeah. a really kind of cool idea. Oh, I love it. And I can already hear like the wheels turning of our listeners who are parents who might be thinking of creative ways to to keep their kids entertained when, when they're not able to go to camp or at different times of the year. And so something that camp is so great about, as we've discussed, is kind of re helping kids rediscover the joy of play and of just being kids and letting loose and having fun and running for the sake of running and being outside. And then I feel like there's always this danger of when they return back to school, kind of losing that that sense of playfulness and that um, all that magic that they picked up at camp. And then they just kind of pick right back up into the school year. And that may not be the case for everybody, but I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are ways that parents, that kids can keep kind of the magic of camp going throughout the school year. And maybe it is through incorporating some of these adventures and little family camps here and there. Um, but I think too, what are ways that even for camp professionals, how can they set kids up to leave camp and to go back into the quote unquote real world, still having that sense of joy and fun and connection and appreciation of nature that they may have picked up over the summer. How can we keep that going throughout the year? Yeah. yeah I think it's all about 
in, you know, um, new experiences. I think that's what makes camp so fun is that you kind of show up like as a camper, you're like, you don't really sure what's going to happen that day. Right. Or you might know there's like a certain, you know, this is like whatever story time, but you don't know what story is going to be told. You don't know what activity is going to be done. You don't know what, you know, sport we're going to play that day. And, you know, it's kind of sad because outside of summer camp, there's there's fewer and fewer kind of safe spaces for kids to try new things and be bad at them. Like mm-hmm. I, I have kind of mourned that for my own kids as they've gotten older, as sports have become more and more competitive, even as music and theater and arts have become more competitive. It's really hard to find a place, especially once you kind of get past the elementary age where a kid can try something out. Mm-hmm. And who has no experience and just see if they like it, because often by the time they hit like junior high or high school, all the people who are doing that sport or that activity have been like, this is, they've been focused on that. And they're going to those, like they have done club, whatever, and they are super serious. And there's no room for the, you know, kind of the amateur who just wants to try it out. Right. And, um, and that's what makes camp so awesome is that everybody's an amateur because half these games, the camp staff made up that morning, right? you know, and it's, I love that about camp. And I think as parents or um, as as camp professionals who are looking to try to like continue to push that through, I think parents and and kids are always looking for safe ways to try new things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that I don't want this to to like, I'm not looking for a new lifestyle. I'm looking for, I just want to try it out. And so um, like, I really like when uh, I see ads like for camps or, or just weekend programs that like throughout the year where you can go and, and try this out. It's a long weekend, try it out. Or this, here's a spring break camp and it's like four days or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's a, it's a community ed class that meets on weekends or, um, or an after school program. And, and I love that. And um because where, where else will you be able to do that? You know? And I think that's, again, like it's a, it's something that you start as a kid, this idea of like, I can try new things and I don't have to become an expert in it. This right. like, I can do this for a season and that's okay. Like, and then I can decide, ah, <laughs> you know, this isn't my thing. Like, that's okay. You know, like, uh, I remember one summer I put my girls in, they were not thrilled about it at the time, but I put them in this like little community and learn Chinese class. And they were the only non-Chinese kids in the class. I didn't realize that there were going to be such oh, okay. And, but you know, it was, it was funny, you know, and, um, they had a good time and like, did they learn like Chinese? No, not really, you know, but like, they laughed. They learned a little bit of cultural experience, yeah. you know, like it was different mm-hmm. and it activated a part of their brain that, you know, probably was never activated and probably hasn't been activated since. And that's just <laughs> cool. Like they did tennis one season. And at the end of the season, I was like, do you want to sign up for another session? No. Okay. Like, <laughs> I think we, we, we keep trying to like hype specialize our kids and things. And then we become adults who are afraid to try new things because it's like, well, if I haven't had 10 years of like one option in this, then I shouldn't join that rec league right. or, 
or try that thing. And so, and, and then again, like that's too bad because it's a blast to learn new things as an adult. Like in, in my book, I talk uh, this whole chapter about how I signed up for roller skating lessons because I was convinced that I could in six weeks become like the most amazing roller skater. Oh my <laughs> I had this fan, like this fantasy and we were looking for something to do. And I took my three girls with me and uh, I showed up and I was the only adult in the <laughs> class, even though they had assured me when I signed up, I had called them and they assured me, oh yeah, we've got lots of adults. No, it was me and like a bunch of 10 year olds. And oh my God. Um, for the first like hour, I was like, oh my gosh, this was a huge mistake. <laughs> like, I'm so embarrassed. Like what are the other parents thinking when they see me out here with literally like their second grader? Um, but you know, it was hilarious and it was fun and it yeah. was novel and it was a little bit dangerous. Cause I was like, if I fall, I might break my leg and then I don't know what will happen. And it was great though. And I think a lot of adults are looking for that, a safe place to try something new. And, and we want that for our kids. Like for me, the ultimate camp experience would be like parents and kids go for like I don't know, five days and you don't have to manage your kids. Someone else takes care of your kids and they're <laughs> trying all new things. And then you as adults get to go try new things. Like I, I always, people always ask like, Hey, do you know how to fill in the blank? Do you know how to like water ski? And I'm like, no, man, I would love to know how to water ski, but where do I even begin? Like yes. if you didn't have that opportunity as a kid, didn't live on a lake or something, like how would you ever know? Right. And I think like, man, I wish I wish I had more opportunities to learn new things yeah. now, but if you're, if you didn't grow up trying new things, you're not going to become an, and so as a parent, I think we need to be fostering that mindset of like, it's good to try new things and failure is like, I like it, but you're so we're, we're going to try it. We're going to try a hundred things. And, and that's good for you. Even if none of them stick, you'll at least yeah. be able to laugh about that summer where you know, I think the beauty of trying those new things, whether it's a camp or outside of camp or have you, is that you never know when you might discover passion that could lead you, especially for kids. They may discover a passion. Maybe it's space travel or space exploration that takes them into right. the career of their dreams. But I think that the same is true for adults is that it's not too late for us to, to try new things and to learn new skills and to discover passions that we never knew existed within us. And I know yeah. we have just a few minutes, so I want to be mindful of your time, but I certainly wanted to ask you about your role. Am I saying it correctly? Is it MOPS? Is that what you all say? Or is it MOP? No, it's MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers International. Yeah, that's my, that's my real job, my day job. And uh, I'm a leadership coach. And um, my role is to um, train and encourage and support the uh, people who lead in local groups, both around the United States and globally, all MOPS groups, um, those are what MOPS groups are, are groups of um, usually young moms, but often there are mentors and, and uh, moms of older kids there too. And they meet on a regular basis and they support and encourage each other. And they just find community and just the power of sitting around a table with another mom and being like, me too, man. Like, wow, this was a tough week, right? You know, like, wow, kids, man, sometimes they just <laughs> really, really get to, you know, I mean, again, just fighting against uh, this, this epidemic of loneliness, right? Kind of like one mom at a time. That's kind of one of our taglines, no mom alone. Mm -hmm. And so each of those groups is led by local volunteers, local leaders. And so my job is to help uh, equip them and train them and guide them the best that they can. Uh, so that involves leadership training, but it also involves, you know, 
just kind of logistics and support and telling them you're doing a good job, even if things, you know, are tough um, so that they can grow and, and reach more and more moms. It's a really great job. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. That's such a great resource to have too. And I'll be sure to, to put a link into the show notes because I'm certain that a lot of our parents out there or camp professionals who, who know of parents of young children um, could benefit from that. And of course, we need to talk yeah. about your book. Sure. So um, I do a lot of writing and speaking just as part of my job. Uh, but obviously, when after my husband came home from his space mission, I had all these thoughts and I've been doing, you know, I've been obviously talking to a lot of people about the experience. And then this opportunity came up to kind of formally write it down and turn it into a book. And it was certainly a big task, but I'm so glad I stuck with it. Uh, it was a big risk talking about risk, yeah. right? But um, it's been great. It's, um, you know, really the book talks about what it is like to live a life of adventure and to, to risk both uh, physically risk, like what it's like to risk putting your loved one on top of a rocket and watch it, you know, blast off into outer space, but also what it's like for those of us back here at home who maybe, you know, our risks are not rocketry, but they are the risk of trying to find friends when it feels like that's really hard or the risk of um, embarrassing yourself, right? Or trying a new thing or being vulnerable with the people who, who you love, but it just feels really hard to be authentically yourself and share yeah. share what's really going on with you. Um, so it's been great. The books is available wherever you buy books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all those places. And, uh, and I'm donating all of my portion of the book proceeds to charities that support military families. Oh. So um, I like to tell people, look, buy the book. If you love it, great. If you don't, the worst thing that happened is you donated to a military That's charity. Right. charity <laughs> military but if you do love it, you know, buy 10 copies and give one to each of yeah. your friends. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so great. Well, I definitely think everybody should get a copy and we'll be sure to, to link in the notes as well um, where they can check it out. And where, where can people learn more about you? Where can they find you? Sure. Well, you can go to my website, Stacy Morgan 2000. So it's S T A C E Y Morgan 2000.com. That's my website. You can go to the book website, which is the astronautswife.com. That's a little bit easier to remember. Yes. And then you can also <laughs> find me on Instagram at, that's right. And you can have an Instagram. I'm out there all the time at Stacy Morgan 2000, same as the website. Uh, and happy to connect. And if people read the book, I love when people send me messages and tell me kind of what they thought or what their favorite story was. Um, that's kind of been my favorite part of this whole process is getting yeah. these, getting these really fun and, and thoughtful messages from the readers. It's been really awesome. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Stacey, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to touch on? This has been such a rich and just this conversation made my heart so happy and just has encouraged me to like, after this, I want to go out and like go on an adventure and try something new. But is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to? I don't think so. I'll just say to all your listeners, you know, if you're obviously listening to this podcast and you're, you know, you're into camp, you're into adventure and like, thank you. Thank you for being the kind of people who are promoting wanting to bring that into people's lives because, you know, while the rest of the world is like, stay at home, lock your door, you know, play it safe. Um, you guys are out there like offering an alternative, like go outside, introduce yourself to a new person, try something new, hike that mountain, jump in that lake, you know, whatever it is, black, climb into that rocket and blast yourself into outer space, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, right? Like, don't be afraid. We're here for you. Like, let's go have an adventure. And um, because they're just, there's not enough of that 
in the world anymore. But these are the people, you guys are the game changers. You, you are changing lives one ropes course at a time, right? Like it's, it's, um, it, it is really important work. It really is. So thank you. Yes. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself and I can't think of a better way to end the podcast. So Stacey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the Camp podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the Campwire Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the Campwire Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and stay up to date with all things going on at ACA by following us on social media at ACA Camps. Thanks for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next time.